Hello and welcome to Divine Enigma, a podcast that talks about how to navigate the complexities of the workplace as a modern day professional whilst also having a side hustle simultaneously. My name is Sarah, your host for the podcast and this is episode of the show. This podcast will be available on all platforms where you can find podcasts including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Today's episode will be slightly different as I'll be running a true crime series once a month on people who have neurodiversity or potentially could have a type of neurodivergent condition. I hope you enjoyed the show so let's dive in into today's episode. So we're going to talk about the silent twins. So June and Jennifer Gibbons were born on the 11th of April 1963 as the third and fourth children of Aubrey and Gloria Gibbons. Aubrey works as a staff technician for the Royal Air Force and therefore The girl's early life was spent between various military bases before the family eventually settled in Wales. As infants, June and Jennifer met the expected milestones and by all accounts, they were happy and healthy babies. But as they began to develop their language abilities, it became clear that the pair had a similar speech impediment Whilst they could both comprehend what was being said to them, it was increasingly difficult to understand them. Over time, their speech became more and more jumbled. And yet strangely, the girls seemed to be able to understand each other perfectly well. By the time they reached school age, their language was almost completely unintelligible. They appeared to have developed um, an idioglossar whereby the sound and formation of words were completely their own creation and born of any unidentifiable language. This type of speech is a phenomenal, most commonly associated with twins and sometimes referred to as twin speech. June and Jennifer communicated in very hushed tones which could rarely be understood or deciphered by anyone else even their own mother it was assumed that they weren't speaking english but rather a version of their own language at school june and jennifer were relentlessly bullied not only because of their communication and the fact that it was so different but also because of how they looked. The Gibbons family were originally from the Caribbean and in the rural Welsh town, there were no other people of colour. Aubrey and Gloria hoped that the girls would grow out of their unique method of communication, but over the coming years, the girls were further isolated from their peers and became increasingly withdrawn. By the time they reach school age or middle school age, they only communicated with each other and their younger sister, Rose. 
whilst there was some comfort for their parents in the fact that the twins had each other to communicate with the teachers became increasingly concerned that they were negatively influencing each other each of the girls wrote letters to their teachers talking about how the other twin was making them behave in the way that they did teachers agreed that much of the girls negative conduct was likely due to being so closely tied to one another no amount of discipline or punishment seemed to make a difference and after seeing therapists and specialists who had very little effect on the girls behavior a decision was made to send the girls to separate boarding schools the teachers hope that some time apart would force June and Jennifer to have to communicate with someone else and give them the opportunity to develop their own unique personalities. But this action had entirely the opposite effect. After their separation, both June and Jennifer entered into somewhat a catatonic state. They stopped sleeping, eating and going to the bathroom. They would sit on the edge of the bed and not move for hours, despite being miles apart and unaware of what the other was doing. Each of the girls displayed strikingly similar responses to the separation. As a result of this complete withdrawal, the girls were reunited and they immediately returned to their old routine of talking only to each other but there was one difference from then on they stopped speaking to their younger sister in effect they became completely cut off from the world around them in their isolation the girls created a world of their own even from their early years jennifer and june both had wild imaginations while many children make believe stories of families and animals with their dolls, June and Jennifer spent hours in their bedroom with their dolls weaving vivid scenes of elaborate lives you swear they were longing to live themselves. It was made all more fascinating because they recorded their play on cassette tapes, giving a voice to all the characters in the imagined worlds. In those tapes, their speech was entirely clear. They spoke English perfectly, giving each character its own voice and personality. It was the first time that the girls' own parents had ever heard them speak clearly and articulately. When the girls were 16, they began to write. They started journaling and soon moved their stories poems and even full-length novels through writing the girls were able to take their imagination to the next level each of their stories revolved around young attractive people who would commit sinister and macabre crimes jennifer wrote a story about a woman who discovered that the local disco had the effects of inducing murder 
and June wrote of a high schooler who was seduced by a teacher. The story, titled The Pepsi-Cola Addict, was self-published by the girls, but none of their other work is publicly available at this time. As the twins reached their late high school years, they decided to experience the world outside of the fantasies that they created in their bedroom. They each received a small social welfare check and they began to spend their money on drugs and alcohol. Given they had such limited world experience, the drugs and alcohol quickly led them to committing petty crimes like theft and vandalism. Initially, there were a few consequences for their actions as any arrest would lead to an interview with only one side. Of course, the girls wouldn't speak to the police and eventually they would be released. That was until relatively harmless crime sprees turned into infinitely more dangerous. In 1981, when the girls were 18, they began to set fires to establishments in their tiny rural town. One night, they watched as flames devoured the tractor shop and smoke billowed up into the air. That night, June wrote in her diary, I burnt it down today, with the help of Jennifer, of course. The greatest moment of my life. We opened all the cans of petrol and spread it everywhere. Can you believe that I'm the arsonist of Haven Ford West? My lovely, glorious fire, a picture which will live in my mind forever. Oh, what a sinful, evil, selfish mind. I know the Lord will forgive me. It's been a long, painful, hard year. Don't I deserve to express my distress? Later that month, June and Jennifer were found at the scene of a fire at a local technical college. Once again, the girls refused to speak, but this time the diary was able to clearly show who had been responsible for the spat of fires over the prior five weeks. At their trial, they both pleaded guilty to the charges. They were arrested and diagnosed with psychopathic personality disorder and sentenced to indefinite detention at the High Security Mental Health Hospital by the name of Broadmoor Hospital. They would end up staying there for 11 years. During their imprisonment, they were forced to take antipsychotic medication, undergo various forms of therapy and were routinely tranquilized. Whilst Jennifer and June did speak more in the hospital than they had before, each year they were denied release as they were deemed to not have made adequate progress. What is incredibly unique about this story is how the girls simultaneously wrote about despising always being together and yet they also couldn't bear to be apart. In one diary entry, Jennifer wrote, I say to myself, can I get rid of my own shadow? Impossible, 
or not possible. Without my shadow, would I die? Without my shadow, would I gain life, be free or left to die? Whilst the girls were both diagnosed with personality disorder and later with schizophrenia, specialists who have weighed in on the case determined that those assessments are unlikely to be accurate. Rather, they believe the girls experience selective mutism, a form of anxiety disorder whereby the patient has the ability to speak but are unable to in some situations. An understanding of this type of neurodiversity would have likely resulted in an entirely different pathway for Jennifer and June. Instead, they were labelled as the silent twins and treated as a strange phenomenon akin to folklore and their parents became social pariahs. An accurate diagnosis may have led them to be treated with consideration and encouragement rather than punishment and judgment. Rather than attempting to force June and Jennifer to conform to social expectations, they could have led meaningful lives with relevant and tailored support. Likewise, the girls were evidently desperate to be seen as both individuals and as twins, whilst their story appears to show that everything that was done to one was done to the other. Despite having innately different needs, strengths and challenges, they were treated as one unit rather than as June and Jennifer. Unfortunately, there's no happy ending to this story. By the time June and Jennifer were finally given the approval to transfer to lower security facility, they had decided that in order to be truly liberated from their influence over each other, one of them would have to die. They spoke at great length about who would die and who who would be free and they vowed that whoever lived must begin to speak and live a normal life. In the end, they agreed Jennifer would die. On the day they were released from Broadmoor, Jennifer slipped into a coma and was later transferred to a hospital where she passed away. The autopsy revealed her course of death to be acute myocardias, which is an inflammation of the heart. In response to her sister's death, June stated, I'm free at last, liberated, and at last Jennifer has given up her life for me. In the years since losing Jennifer, June has gone on to give interviews with various newspapers and magazines where she speaks with some with a somewhat unique cadence. <laughs> she lives independently in a home close to her parents and is no longer monitored by the mental health services. A movie starring Letitia Wright from Black Panther and Tamara Lawrence from The Long Song will be released this year portraying the girls and will also be titled The Silent Twins. I really hope you enjoy 
today's podcast, we did something slightly different. Just keep into the theme of neurodiversity. I hope to keep these monthly true crime stories going. Please make your views known in the community and on the Divine Enigma podcast website. Please follow me on all platforms where podcasts are uploaded. Thank you for listening to Divine Enigma. And if you got to the end, this is a safe place for project managers and professionals to give you the tools on how to navigate the complexity of being neurodiverse in the workplace. See you next week. Royalty.